Go hard in your 20s. You have all your, during your pre, we'll call it your pre-responsibility decade. Go hard then. Anyways, he launched Vitamin Group to about 1.2 million in ARR back in May 2016. Twitter changed their algorithm, specifically their threshold for basically automation or API calls, I imagine. And it basically killed their business. He shut it down even though they'd raised 650 grand and had about nine employees. Uh, they shut that down. He launched an agency that did well, grew to about a million bucks, then sold that to another LA firm. Now, VP of Business Development at Coin Circle will watch them closely. They're helping with ICOs their most recent one most successful one unicorn gold 31 million raised this is the top entrepreneurs podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn each episode features revenue numbers customer counts and other insider information that creates business news headlines we went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million i had no money when i started the company it was 160 million dollars which is the size of many ipos we're bootstrapped we have like 22,000 customers with over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Hank Leber. He's an internet marketer who has built both B2B and B2C companies. He grew his marketing service Vitamin to 105 grand per month in revenue in a little over a year's time, only to, only to be killed by changes to Twitter's platform. We'll talk about that. His next company, Growth Agency Execute.LA, was acquired by Hawk Media in January of 2018. He's now VP of Business Development at a company called Coin Circle, a SaaS platform for ICOs and token sales. Hank, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely, Nathan. Happy to be here. Yeah, so you're a fan of the show, right? You listen. Yeah, big time. And the reason I that we got connected is I was putting together my Latka 100, the fastest growing SaaS companies. And I said, I should touch base with Hank, see how Vitamin's doing. And you wrote back and said, actually, it's dead. And I said, what? You were doing like 1.2 million in revenue back in, what was it, January, February, March, May 2016 when I had you on. What the hell happened? So let's start there. What happened? Yeah, sure. So we had a really fast run. Uh, we found... Uh, that what we were doing with automation on social was really helping drive web traffic for small businesses and early stage companies. A lot of likes, favorites, follows, retweets, comments, mostly on Twitter, but it could work on like Pinterest and Tumblr. But Twitter was really working well for us. And, you know, we're charging $1,000 a month for the service. Uh, we were bringing really high quality traffic to our clients and customers. And uh, the growth was really happening rapidly. Like you mentioned, we got to a little over 100K a month in, uh, in recurring revenue. And uh, <laughs> May 29th, 2015, I believe it was, we lost all of our Twitter accounts that we were running. It was thousands. Was at it the time. 15 or 16? I thought I had you on in May 2016 when you were doing that amount. So, oh, that's right. It, it was 2016. We've had a whole other year since then, 2017. Yeah. It's been a blur. Yeah. So, May 29, 2016, uh, we literally had zeros across our dashboard on the back end looking at all the uh, accounts. And I, I thought, no. <laughs> man, something must must be wrong with the dashboard because there's just no way. There's just no way we could have lost thousands of accounts overnight. And it turns out we did. They were all suspended. And it took us a few weeks to figure out why. And it turns out that Twitter in particular had made changes to its platform to curtail automation across the board. It wasn't really our company that they were trying to battle against. Uh, in my opinion, they threw the baby out with the bathwater on that one because we were running a really good, solid business for early stage companies. However, Twitter is trying to clean clean up its act and reduce the amount of uh, automation that could be tolerated on its platform. Did the SMBs that were using you come back and sue you and say, you're why we got shut down? No, no, no. It wasn't there. We owned the accounts. Imagine that you had a no. small army of 5, 10, 
Twitter accounts that were third-party authority accounts. Um, sunglass lovers, best fashion trends, whatever. So these were automated uh, feeds that were going out, sharing good content in a channel strategy uh, approach. And I still think Twitter could do that, should have been doing that, still can, but unfortunately, it's just not part of their product roadmap. Instead, they wanted to uh, eliminate the automation problem, which is a problem. The noise to signal ratio on that platform is really bad. Yeah. So I just, you went, you went to like, zero literally overnight. Revenue went to like nothing. Yeah, yeah we went from making 100K a month to burning 100K a month overnight. And we didn't have much in the bank. I was out How fundraising. much was in the bank? We had 70K in the bank. Okay. We had raised about 650. Yep. And we had gotten just that month. We got in the cash flow positive by about $100. So I was like, hey, this is great. I'm going to go out and fundraise uh, like this you know, arms crossed instead of like this with hands outstretched because we had infinite runway. And literally that very month is when it happened. And we, we burned up the 70 K in you know, three and a half weeks. All right. So tell me the hardest part about shutting it down. How'd you tell the investors? Was there any pushback? How did, what'd you do with the employees, the team? So, so the story goes, uh, I sat down with a team, a team of 11 at the time. And I sat down with them. These are great growth marketers. Some of the most talented people I've ever worked with. And I sat down with them and I said, look, guys, we don't know what's wrong or why this has happened. At the time, we didn't know. We just knew that everything was dead. I said, we have 70K in the bank. At our burn rate, we're going to run out in like three weeks, and then that's it. And I don't think there's any coming back from that. If we, we have two options. One, we push forward and we figure out the solution together, all of us, and burn hard. Or I got to cut it back to like three people and let everybody go, and we'll have to deal with that after the you know we figured it out with the extension of the runway. And the team said... If human beings can still use Twitter and be a new Twitter user, we can figure this out. We just don't know what they've changed. And I said, all right, well, then that's it. Let's all get in. We floored it and went straight toward the cliff. The sad news is it took longer than three weeks to figure out that it was a reduction in the automation threshold. It went from 1,000 actions per day down to about 200 per day. So they did an 80% reduction in their tolerance. And that took us about two months to figure out long after everybody had sort of dispersed our investors, it was all smaller checks. Nobody wanted to really defend their original was investment. It, were those all convertible notes? Uh, yeah, it was all in a safe note. And, uh, and you know, you look at like angel angel investing, uh, the, the conundrum is they want you to, you, you got to push real hard and get that 15, 20% month over month growth rate to, to qualify for angel investment checks these days. However, that makes for a very dangerous business because you think about it, we could have diversified across other platforms, would have lowered our growth rate, but it would have made us less interesting and harder to raise money. So it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you yeah. don't. Okay, those investors, are they asking you now, what are you going to do next? We want to invest again? Oh, absolutely. The thing, you know, the, the thing that I found was it wasn't that they didn't believe in the team or in our capabilities, mine or anybody else in the team that did. There's a trigger that's happening. I think a lot of investors have seen this or have heard stories about getting burned by building a SaaS company on the back of another platform that could kill you is a very dangerous thing to do. And my million run rate business died, but I've, you know, there are 10 million, 20 million run rate businesses that also died, same fate, building on the back of Google or YouTube or whatever. And I think that that's just an automatic trigger to say, let's cut this and do something else because the odds it's high risk. Back. It's high risk, high reward though, right? Matt Rissell with T-Sheets built his whole company inside the Intuit App, Intuit App Exchange. He banked on that. He was ranked number one and then Intuit acquired him for 340 million bucks, right? So it's high yeah. risk. Yes. And I believe with the angel investors looking for their 100x or 1000x, they're willing to play that game. But once you have that loss, it's not a stumble. It's an absolute explosion. Okay. So you shut it down. You launched an agency in between. What'd you grow the agency to? And then what'd you sell it for? Yeah. So the agency uh, was uh, partnered up with Amplify 
Dot.LA, the uh, startup accelerator in Los Angeles. And they have a really high quality program, writing check size about 200,000, and they'll do 10 companies a year right now. So it was a really high quality group of companies that we knew needed growth marketing and could use agency style service like what we did with Vitamin, only um, human instead of machines. So we weren't violating any sort of policies. So grew that company to pretty close to a million run rate as well in the first year. And it's an agency. So we're not talking about SaaS here. We're talking yeah. about, you know, having a dozen or so clients and, you know, they're all paying, you know, five to 10 K a month. You quickly can get to that run rate. Um, but with the human capital on there, the margins were different. It was a very different kind of business. And, uh, and, you know, we saw that it wouldn't scale the same as a SaaS business. And that was a really important thesis. We went in thinking, what if we could automate I don't know, half to two thirds of the processes so that we could kind of, you know, crank through a lot of clients. And the learning there about six months in was early stage companies are so needy uh, that that's not really a thing. It has to be a custom build every time across the entire spectrum because they don't know their uh, early stage company. You think about 500K to a million uh, in, in funding. You, you probably don't have your full market product yeah. market figured out. You well, don't have your So, so Hank, because I want to spend a lot of time on the new company you're sure, working sure. on. So what did you do with that? You just shut it down, soft landing? No, no, no. No, it's so, so uh, the agency was healthy and the service was fine. It just wasn't something that would scale. And personally, I'm not particularly interested in spending my time on stuff that isn't going to scale. It started to feel like a, uh, you know, a slower process to growth of that business. You look at uh, some of the businesses out there in a similar space. Hawking Hank, so, sorry, so what did you do? Are, is, the, is the media agency still running or did you shut it down? How did you transition yeah. to your new, new position? Still running, was acquired by Hawk Media here in Los Angeles, which is a very fast growing uh, uh, growth marketing agency. For what? Like how they value it? Yeah, so, so they looked at the book of business and you know how agency acquisitions work. They're going to look at the book of business and figure out you know, what it's worth to them and what their risk tolerance is there. And then we made a deal that made sense for amplifying for me and for my clients to make sure they had a happy home and that Hawk would be able to take the book of business and run with it and a few of my team members to help them run that business. Okay. To agencies that are typically selling for like 0.5x top line revenue or even lower sometimes. Is that generally true with your deal? No, it's not. Not, not with this deal. This is one where it's very healthy business and the clients were high quality clients are very happy. And this was one where you know, as long as the clients continue to be happy with that agency, then it's a deal that, that makes sense across the board. So you sold it for more than a less than a million bucks. It's difficult to calculate that because we're talking about revenue over time that is not past, but actually present and future revenue. So in other words, there's an earnout, but you're giving you a percentage of whatever over X amount of time. Yep. And, it, and, and it's likely that, you know, the, the clientele is strong and fast growing companies and it's going to be a a good situation for both Hawk and for me. Okay, Coin Circle, your VP of Business yes. Development. What is Coin Circle? What's it do, and, and what are you doing on a daily basis? Right. So, Coin Circle is an end-to-end -end token sale platform that helps companies actually create their token, uh, create the necessary, you know, white paper SEC regulations, make sure that they do it right to bring a token sale to market. And is we it also securitized. Yes, absolutely. So, so the, you know, you have a private pre-sale, which is a SAFT note, which is the securities piece. And we help make sure that our, our clients actually run that in a safe and copacetic manner because this flying under the radar of the SEC is just not something that's going to last. And we want to make a, a business going to last. And how does CoinCircle make money? Yeah, so CoinCircle charges a fee for the actual setting up of, you know, the, the white paper, the, uh, the secure websites, the wallet, the actual marketing materials and all of that plus a portion of the, uh, of the tokens raised and the overall 
uh, dollars raised on a token sale. So t- when was the company launched? It was launched last year in the summer. So it's about seven, eight months old, almost a year old. So mid-2017 was launched. That's right. And how much total in terms of dollars, so convert everything to dollars, USD, how much total has the platform raised for all of its com- customers? Right. So the, the, the major token sale they started with last year was Unicorn Gold, which was the token created by Unicorn, Mark Cuban and uh, Ashton Kutcher bet company, which is esports betting. Uh, Unicorn Gold did a $31 million token sale. And once they hit the exchanges, that did a six or seven X and is, you know, as the markets are going now down a little bit below that, but it's a very healthy token sale to come right out of the gate. And from that, we learned a ton about, um, you know, the token sale uh, economy right now and the marketplace and have multiple sales lined up all of 2018. We're working on two right now uh, concurrently and then three or four more that are coming down the line. Mm -hmm. And we can't, I literally can't tell you what they are because that's against the SEC regulations, but we have a very healthy 2018 coming, coming off of a really successful first run with Unicoin Gold. So Unicoin Gold, it looks like they raised about 112,000 Ether. How, how, for the audience, I mean, how do you get, how do you convert that to 31 million? Is you just take the current Ether price and multiply? Yeah, so that's the short, the short way to do it. And then you think about what happened on the exchanges when they come out and they're on listed on a couple smaller exchanges. And then when they hit Bittrex, they jumped up a lot because those prominent exchanges, you get just a ton more volume and exposure out of it. Well, what is that? I, I don't understand that. Okay, so you've got a token sale that happens and that you sell the amount of tokens on the token sale and that's uh, you know uh, ether that comes in that has a market value, right? And then your token has technically raised money uh, through that token sale. And then a few weeks later, you get listed on an exchange and people can start trading your token. And that's where the volume just in, the, the volume increases and the price of the token goes up. So, because specu- you know. people can speculate if they want and emotions Absolutely. can drive the price up. And that's exactly what's happening right now. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, everybody knows that these businesses, a lot of them don't have a P&L right now. Unicorn does, but a lot of these companies that are doing token sales are doing it on a product that isn't actually in the market yet. And that is a highly speculative window. I think 2018, you'll see uh, you know, businesses, legitimate businesses running business on their tokenized products. And that's going to change the nature of, of what it means to be on an exchange. So 31 million raised, where does that money actually go? Does it go to like the, the Unicoin BB&T bank account and they use it to fund the development of the thing? Like, where does it go? It's a good question. I'll tell you that I don't know what Unicoin Gold and Unicorn is doing with it. But I'll tell you this, businesses can choose to keep it on the market and kind of roll the dice and see where the where the wind blows, or they can pull some of it out into fiat and keep it in the bank and use it as, you know, actual burn or, or runway. And I, I, I don't know what Unicorn Gold has chosen to do, but, uh, you know, it's definitely a big difference whether you want to bet on the market or not and keep yep. it in there. Unicorn Gold, Unicorn Gold has a little bit of checks and balances because you got folks like Mark involved. So there are other examples of these ICOs where there's a rogue, not a rogue, but like a CEO, a smart developer, a smart marketer, maybe somebody like me that goes out and raises $15 million on a token issuance. They then essentially, you know, convert all of it to fiat. So they are now out of the speculation game on their own, to- their own token they created. And they can essentially run with the money. There's no like checks and balances. What, what prevents people from doing that? Unfortunately, there's not a lot that prevents that right now. Um, what, what is happening just from the last year until now, really the last six months, is you know, the, cra- the, the wisdom of the crowd is really helping sniff out some of the bad actors ahead of time. 
Unfortunately, we've seen a few of them actually slip through the cracks and, and do um, less than favorable things with the token sale raises. But yeah, we're in a very wild west period right now where, you know, you got a white paper out there with a product that is intends to go live on the first day of trading. You know, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's a bet. It's a bet on the team to not do irresponsible things with that money. Similarly to when, uh, you know, an investor is going to bet on a company and startup founders, there's just generally a lot more one-to-one -one diligence there. And here we don't have that diligence. I'm hoping that the wisdom of the crowd and, uh, you know, just the collective intelligence is going to help keep some of those bad actors out. Do you think someone will create the equivalent of a NASDAQ where if you if you're on this trusted platform to do an ICO, you're required to have quarterly calls with people that can like listen in and ask questions? Do you think anyone will standardize that? Yes, I do. And God, I'm blanking on it right now. There is a there is a company that's trying to do a sort of Alfred of crypto and i can't think of it right now damn i really i wish That's i could okay. bring that up email it to me i'm just curious i have you know I, I have exposure in the crypto space i'm i'm a lp in a bunch of vc funds that are in you know trying trying to figure out the space and get exposure and um i love spaces that are changing fast and this is a fast changing one so absolutely very cool all right so what do, i mean at the company you know you joined the company what's the team size today uh, the team size is about 10. Most of those are engineers. We're doing a lot of cool stuff with wallet tech, with exchange tech, with security tech, and making sure that we are staying ahead of the curve uh, with all of the offerings that we can have for our So our you're clients. early enough, though, where you got equity as part of your comp plan, right? That's correct. Okay. And so is your day-to-day -day look like recruiting new founders to do ICOs basically on your platform? You know, uh, absolutely not. In fact, the opposite. The inbound is crazy right now. We've, you know, we've we've got a, a really high quality premium product and service, and we we the inbound the inbound is is not the issue right now. It's actually trying to create a streamlined product that is going to be, you know, a SaaS solution to this. We know there's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of to of token sales out there, and it 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 can't be a manual process. Uh, for all of these different areas and building that SaaS product along with our service angle is the challenge. And it's something I, I know a lot about from going from vitamin, which was almost all SaaS to execute, which was almost all agency. So we've got a combination of that coin circle. That's what I work on daily. Very cool. Hank, let's wrap up here with the famous. Oh yeah. You want to add something? Yes. The company that's trying to work on a, uh, on a, on a, a checks and balances is Masari, M-E-S-S-A-R-I from Ryan Selkis, who's a former uh, consensus guy. So I don't know him or the company, but I've heard good things about what he's trying to do to keep uh, the checks and balances in place and keep everybody safer. I'll have him on the show. That'll be fun. Let's uh, wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's the last business book you read? Uh, crypto assets. Crypto assets. Number two is, is wonderful. Is there a CEO you're following or studying there in LA? I am blown away by Eric Miller, CEO of CoinCircle. He sold his his company, uh, uh, Virgin's Labs, to Snapchat, which became Snapchat Spectacles. And I think his mind is brilliant. I feel lucky to work with him. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? Oh, my goodness. I hate to say Google Apps, but really, they've nailed it so hard. I feel like they actually have the market cornered. Um, using Smartsheet right now, which which helps with timelines to be shared with clients, which is really good. Smartsheet.com, I believe it is. Yep. they. Uh, uh, we had those guys on the show as well. I believe they are killing it. I mean, they're, <laughs> I mean is it didn't, didn't I think he's over 60 or 70 million now in ARR. It oh, shocked oh. me how fast they're growing. It's because they monopolized one distribution channel being the Google Chrome store. I, who, what was his name? I'm, oh, Mark Mater. Yeah, yeah Mark Mater. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I am trying hard to get seven and it, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting it. I'm That's hitting good. It. And married, single, do you have kids? 
Married uh, a year ago, almost a year and a half in two months. That's 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 a good lady. Your your vitamin dies, and she says, "Marry me." I tell you what, she is a, she is so understanding. You know that the life of an entrepreneur is very tough, and um, and I knew going into it that you know it takes a special person, and she absolutely yep. is that. How old no are kids you? Yet, no I'm kids yet? No kids. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Last question: What do you wish your twenty-year-old self knew? Oh my God. I wish my 20-year-old self knew that there are 10 years where you can go hard as you can in any direction you like, and you don't have to worry about whether or not you have a job and what your LinkedIn looks like. It's only that you're maximizing your potential because you truly are free in that decade, and the responsibilities stack up as you get older, which isn't a bad thing, but it's a truth, and you don't have that at 20 that you do at 30 and then 40, and I'm sure it gets even harder and harder as you go. There you guys have it from Hank. Go hard in your 20s. You have all your, during your pre, we'll call it your pre-responsibility decade. Go hard then. Anyways, he launched Vitamin, grew to about 1.2 million in ARR back in May 2016. Twitter changed their algorithm, specifically their threshold for basically automation or API calls, I imagine. And it basically killed their business. He shut it down even though they'd raised 650 grand and had about nine employees. Uh, they shut that down. He launched an agency that did well, grew to about a million bucks then sold that to another LA firm. Now, VP of Business Development at Coin Circle will watch them closely. They're helping with ICOs, their most recent one, most successful one, Unicoin Gold, 31 million raised. Hank, thank you for taking us to the top. Cheers, Nathan, a pleasure.